0: you know, you're helping up other people get what they want, you're going to get everything that you want. But I think one of my biggest things that that Zipper says,
1: you're listening to the right club podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at the right And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.
2: Hello, Right Club Nation. It's Laurel Simmons here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out our online community yet? I really hope you do, because our online community is a place where you can find lots of education, training and information about real estate investing and about general business. Plus, it's a great place to network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums. All our podcast episodes and tons of videos about a wide range of topics. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with our podcast.
1: welcome back right club nation you are listening to the right club podcast I'm Alfonso Slemi and today I am here with my amazing co-host as always Sarah Larby how's it going Sarah
3: very good very good living the dream I guess but unfortunately it's uh it's now winter and it's cold but you know this uh, this podcast I'm excited about and uh doing these are like the podcast is, is so much fun. Um, and, and the right club stuff. So keeping busy, I mean, despite the, you know, everything being locked down, still looking at deals, making offers, I've, uh, you know, learned also how to take more time and read and spend more time just doing a lot less and being less busy, which is really cool. What about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. And you know what, now that, you know, we're, again, we're doing these on a pretty consistent basis and we're meeting uh, for right club stuff. It's awesome to see a big smile on your face. You're taking a deep breath every once in a while, definitely a lot more than you were when you were working full time and investing full time. You had basically two full-time jobs, but yeah, it's good to see you kind of being able to stop and smell the roses. I've always loved that. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're continuing to grow. Our referral part program is growing. We have amazing partners to keep bringing on clients and, uh, yeah, the rent to own business continues to grow. We are up to seven staff at the time that we're recording this now. So, uh, we're super excited to continue to help more people and, uh, yeah. Again, guys, if you guys are listening to this podcast and if you haven't rated or reviewed or shared this with somebody, please, we really, really want you to do that. We really want you to rate and review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And uh, that's how we get better. That's how we grow. It's not just a saying. When we say we want you to come grow with us, we really want you to be part of it. And we really do value what uh, what you guys say and what you guys think and your opinions. And uh, on uh, on today's podcast, I am just Super pumped! I get giddy whenever the chance I have to talk to uh, this next gentleman that we're interviewing today. He was my first mentor. Uh, simple as that. In in real estate, where uh, he was at the front of the room talking about how his journey and how he got you know to where he was with real estate investing and turned me on to the whole passive income and you know that's kind of like passive income. It's not really passive, but um, yeah, the whole journey of real estate experience and investing. Um, yeah, so it's amazing. It's a pleasure to uh, to interview Pip today and uh, and have him on the podcast. So yeah, I think this is a great uh, a great show. You guys are gonna love it. And uh, what do you say, Sarah? Get to the podcast. Let's do it. It uh, it is my absolute pleasure to uh, to introduce the Right Club Nation to Mister Pip Stalic. He was my first ever uh, real estate instructor, teacher, coach, mentor sounding board so welcome 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 to the right club podcast uh pip Stellick.
0: well it's great to be here you make me feel like i must be really old if i was your very first trainer mentor coach teacher yeah it's, i've been doing this a long time so it's, it's great to finally be on the podcast with you alfonso i'm, I'm looking forward to having a lot of fun over the next uh, 30 40 minutes whatever it's going to be
1: yeah, uh, absolutely. We, we've been, uh, it's, it's been about, I think, seven, eight years at least uh, that we first met and, and started going and, and learning. Uh, you taught me about all the different types of strategies. It was like drinking water from a fire hose that weekend that we met. But for those uh, of the Right Club Nation that haven't had the chance to hear you speak and uh, actually the pleasure of hearing you speak or, uh, or know you, why don't you give us uh, kind of the 30,000 foot view, uh, a little bit of a background, who you are, what you
0: do. Well, um, unfortunately for all my Canadian listeners out there, I am American, so I'll I'll apologize right up front, but I've had the opportunity to teach in Canada, actually more than any place else in the world. Um, I started, uh, my background is actually stand-up comedy. I did stand-up comedy for seven years all across the United States, had a blast doing it, and uh, grew up in a family-owned grocery business. Uh, Some Canadians will definitely know this, very few Americans will even remember IGA grocery stores. Mm-hmm. The people that are out in the Western part of Canada and in the BC know it people that are in, uh, in Quebec know it because there's still there's still IGA stores in both of those provinces but uh, I grew up my parents had an IGA grocery store I grew up working in the grocery business I hated every minute of it hated it with the passion actually and, and uh, I made a point to say that it, once I got out of college I'd never ever go back to work at the family-owned grocery store so I, I got my MBA got a lot of traditional education and uh, uh, my mom and dad, I think, were a little bit disappointed because I went and did stand-up comedy after I got my master's degree. So I think they were a little surprised by that. But I was young, I was dumb, I was having a blast. And uh then I met uh my future wife, my girlfriend at the time. Her name was Jennifer, and and she basically told me I needed to probably get a real job at some point in my life. And uh and I knew I wasn't gonna be the next Seinfeld or David Letterman or anything like that. Uh so I went back to work at the family-owned grocery store and and uh When I went back to work at the family owned grocery store, I realized that uh, for us it wasn't if Walmart was coming to town, it was when are they coming to town. And so my brothers and I who were running the store, my dad had retired at this point. My brothers and I, we realized at some point we needed to figure out multiple streams of income, different things like that. And so we were looking at all kinds of different opportunities and options out there. And um, I was a big fan of Zig Ziglar. And uh, I went to this, uh, this training was Zig Ziggo, but let me back up just a little bit before that. Um, and, and I can even remember the month and the year. In January of 2002, uh, my wife is pregnant with our first child. And so I'm trying to figure out how to make more money, how to, you know, you have big reasons for doing things when you have babies on the way. Uh, for anybody that's a parent out there, that why becomes really apparent real quickly. And so um, I'm trying to figure out how to make more money and a buddy of mine from college wants to meet me and says, uh, hey, uh, we need to have lunch sometime. I said, okay, great. We'll have lunch. So we went to uh, have some lunch. We're having pizza for lunch, I remember. And, and he says to me, now, this guy was making six figures back in 2002 as a vice president of a bank. And so to somebody like me, who was making about $35,000, $36,000 a year at this time, I'm thinking, this guy's doing well. He's doing great. He's doing awesome. And he sits down to me at lunch, and he says, Pip, have you ever read this book? And he hands me this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm like, no, i never even heard of it. He says, read this book. It'll change your life. I'm like, sure. It's a book. It's going to change my life. He says, he says, Pip, I'm quitting my job next week. I said, what? He said, I've already given him my notice. I said, you make great money. Why would you do that? He said, I'm working for somebody else. He said, I know that I'll never get to where I want to be in a job working for somebody else, paying the highest taxes. Read the book. You'll understand. Well, I read the book, obviously, and literally bought every purple book I could ever even find. Bought the board game, everything else. And this is a as my wife is getting closer to delivering our first child. And so July of um, 2002, we have our first baby. Uh, Two weeks before that, we had gone to a training that said, hey, go to this real estate training, they're gonna teach you how to, to make money in property. So my wife and I had gone to that, well, it was a preview training, if you will, for a longer training, it was a two hour preview. So my wife and I went to that preview training and it was kind of sponsored through a Zig Ziglar thing. So that's kind of the Zig Ziglar representation comes back in. It was being marketed as a a big marketing thing with Zig Ziglar and some other famous people speaking there. And we went to this thing and we heard Zig Ziglar speak. We also heard this guy speak about real estate investing. And he was selling a program to go to this three day training. So my brother and I both went to this three day training. My wife did not go to it with me because she was at home with our one month old daughter. And so we're at this three day training and they're saying, you need to invest in yourself. You need to do more training and uh, I know Alfonso you've been there because I was the guy in the front of the room telling you to do that and so um, my brother and I are going what should we do and so we went home and we talked to our spouses that night neither one of our spouses were at the training he had a four-month-old daughter at home I had a one-month-old daughter at home and so we're like are we in or are we out kind of thing and with the blessing of both of our spouses I look back and think how much of a blessing that was because a lot of people I've seen over the years is the mentality is my spouse is holding me back they won't let me they won't do this and uh so the main reason I've ever been successful, it's one reason is I got, I hit, I hit the lottery when I got married. I know that for a fact. And Jennifer makes me want to be a better person every day. And so in doing so, um, we came back and we signed up for more training. At that time, we spent $35,000 and I looked it up um, a few weeks ago. Somebody was asking me how much money I spent on training. I said, I spent $35,000 in 2002. And they said, really? In 2002, that's how much you spent? I said, Yeah. So I went online and I found some calculator for current value money. That's $50,000 U.S. Today. And so obviously with Canadian dollars, that'd be what? About 900,000 Canadian? I know <laughs> the dollar isn't this strong, but got to have some fun with all my Canadian yeah. uh, folks out there. Yeah. And so anyway, and Sarah's going, this guy could talk for hours. Yeah. I haven't even got through my no, story it's interesting. yet. And I'm people...
2: following
3: along. I don't know. You know, I obviously we haven't met and you know, it, Alfonso quite a bit. So I am really interested to keep going, keep talking. It's, it's actually quite interesting. Awesome.
0: And so in 2002, we signed up for this training and we were all in. We were literally, my brother and I were, were, were making a little bit of money in the grocery business, but anytime you're in a small business, you're paying everybody else first and you're getting paid last, which there's some great tax benefits for it, but we weren't making a lot of money and we had a lot of bills to pay and all that kind of stuff. Plus, we had young babies at home. So we said, we've got to, we've got to make this work. We invested all the money in training. Uh, we actually put our training on credit cards because we didn't have any other way to have the money. And uh, literally within 16 months, we had bought a whole bunch of properties, paid off all of our training costs, and our life had changed exponentially. Uh, within a year after that, uh, the company that we were had been trained by asked us to come on as mentors and teach other people how to, how to do real estate at a higher level, because we'd had a mentor come out and work with us. And so in 2005, my brother and I started mentoring for, and at the time, the the he said, Pip, do you want a mentor? I said, no, I don't. He said, what do you mean you don't want to mentor? He goes, I've never been turned down. I said, well, I actually want to be a guy that teaches in front of the room. I said, I talk better in front of 50 people than I do one-on-one. Now, my wife tells me that's the case. I don't think it's a compliment coming from your wife to you talk better in front of 50 people than you do one-on-one. And so I told him, I don't really want to mentor. I want to be a teacher in the front of the room. He said, mentor for 18 18- months, independent contractor going out, mentoring students one-on-one, Two on one all around the United States. This is back in, in 2005, 2006. Finally, in 2007, my 18 months had gone by, and I said to the guys, I said, I really want to be a trainer. What do I need to do? They gave me the process, told me what they needed to do. And in um, March of 2007, I, trained. I did that for about a year in the United States. And then I get a call from, I'm an independent contractor, so I get a call from the, the office, and they said, Hey, Pip, I noticed you're not working this weekend. Would you be able to do a training? And I said, well, let me talk to my wife. I'll let you know. So my wife is standing right there. I said, Jen, hey, they want me to do a training this weekend. Are you okay if I go out and do a training over the weekend? She said, sure, no problem. My mom's coming to town, so no issues. Go out and have fun. She knew I enjoyed the training side of it. So I get back on the phone with the lady, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm available. I go, where is it? She goes, do you have a passport? I said, what? She said, do you have a passport? I said, yeah, why? She said, well, the training's in Canada. I said, well, there's a bit of a problem. She goes, what's the problem? I said, I've never been to Canada. And you'll be fine. I am so glad that they had more confidence in me than I had in me because literally this was on a Wednesday. On Thursday, I'm on a plane to Toronto. I'm on the plane, and I'm being told that I'm going to have all kinds of support, all kinds of great stuff. And so I get to Toronto do the training over the course of the weekend. It was awesome. Two weeks later, I'm in Edmonton doing another training. And from basically the summer of 2007 until – I'm going to say the fall or autumn of 2016, I did more Canadian trainings by far than any other place I'd ever been. I've been to Toronto. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 50 to 75 times doing trainings over the years. I've been all the way from Victoria, all the way to to Newfoundland doing trainings. So I've been to more places in Canada than a lot of Canadians, I'm told. Every major city I've been to and a lot of cities that weren't very major like Moncton and Fredericton, never even heard of these places. I'd never heard of Kelowna until I went there and trained. And so I've had the opportunity to train all across the uh, Canada and the US. And then I got a really cool opportunity in 2015. The company said to me they said, "Would you be interested in doing any big stage events?" I'm like, "Duh, of course I want to do big stage events. What's a big stage?" Normally I've been doing trainings in front of and I'm going to say average about 50 students. I mean, I know when I met Alfonso, I'm going to say there's probably 50, 60 people in the room. And so Training's averaging where I'm going to say 20 to 100 people. That was normal three-day weekend training. They said, well, these are only going to be like two hour trainings, but being be in front of large audiences. I said, what's a large audience? They said 500 to 5,000 people. I'm thinking, that sounds like fun. Sign me up. What do I need to do? And so this whole time, I'm investing in property, doing all kinds of stuff in the, in the real estate world, but I'm also getting to train. And I've been to Canada. I've been to all the United States. And now they said they, they're going to send me around the world. I'm like, I'm in. And so I literally went all across Europe, South Africa, Asia, doing large stage events. I had 6,000 people was the most I'd ever uh, talked in front of in Singapore. It was a blast, had a great time doing it. Um, and, and, but I realized I didn't like the big stage events because I didn't get a chance to meet anybody. I know that when I met Alfonso, I literally talked to him 20 times over the course of a three-day weekend, if not more. And I didn't get that in these big stage events. So I said, I would really like to go back to doing the, the, the more intimate settings, you know, the 20 to 100 people. They said, no problem. Well, what they allow, asked me to do was to go internationally. And I ended up teaching in 18 different countries across the world. The same thing that Alfonso, you and I met uh, in, in whatever 2012, 2013 in Toronto I was teaching this all around the world. I was having a blast doing it, met people that I never even would have met had I not got to do it. My kids and my wife got to travel all around these different places with me. We spent Thanksgiving in Australia on the beach. You can't beat that. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, I mean, so a lot of great highs, but I also got arrested in Hong Kong, which probably the biggest low I've ever had in my life. Uh, There's a big difference between getting arrested and convicted. So I was arrested, but never convicted, never had. I just spent an afternoon uh, confined. Uh, so this that was curious, good. They let me go back. What,
3: what did they arrest you for?
0: Working illegally in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it found out that they didn't, uh, uh, we were doing things legally, but nonetheless, they, it was, it was, and I don't know how to say it better than this, Sarah. It was like, um, you know, in, I know, and I don't know all the laws of all the countries, but in the U.S. it's kind of like, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Well, I felt like I was guilty until I was proven innocent there, but it wasn't other than it being the best story that I can probably tell anymore and I've got a a half hour story on it as well I love to tell stories so I know you've asked me to say hello and I'm probably 15 minutes already into the into the into the podcast we'll have to do two or three podcasts just to to hear anything else but 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 the point is um it's a great story now it it was a lot of uh stress that day um but nonetheless uh it was a lot of fun I've, I've met just just a huge amount of people all over the world in places I never even dreamed to go. I'll never forget, Sarah. I, I remember my wife came to, Victoria, to Vancouver with me to, to when I did a training years ago. And we flew from on a, on a helicopter from Vancouver to Victoria. I'd never been to Victoria, but when we landed in Victoria and we got to the, it's kind of the area where I think the parliament is, the government stuff is for the province there. There's uh, like a bay in the middle there with all these boats in it. And I didn't realize it, but I had a picture when I was like 10 years old, it was a puzzle that I put together of Victoria, BC. And now I was in the place where the puzzle picture had been taken. And I'm like, wow, things just come around in life. And so that was pretty cool to see all those things come together. But yeah, I could talk for hours on what real estate has done for me. The thing it's done for me has allowed me to meet a lot of cool people, help a lot of people and see the world. And, and if I never did another thing with real estate, I would be the luckiest guy on the face of the earth. And that's how I feel today.
2: And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
3: I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors, contractors. On this week's episode, I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on oakville to hamilton and beyond but they're really great like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to facetime or video call rob or joel they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations because if you're thinking about doing a flip or a burr project, the reno part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's gonna cost and what renos are gonna be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs if you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with, they finished on time, on budget, which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades, they line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. And they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher-end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Or you can send them an email, joel, J-O-E-L, at white elmdesignbuild.com or rob at white um, Good luck on your next projects. Now back to the show. It is a great story. So, so here's a question for you. Then, I mean, because obviously you you talked a lot about the travel and, and this and that, but you know, are you are you able to share like how you like what you've built in terms of your portfolio? Because obviously you've got the opportunities to talk on stage and, and to share. I'm guessing that you've got well, a lot of experience as well in terms of actual real estate transactions and real estate strategies.
0: So my first deal, Sarah, was a duplex in Omaha, Nebraska. I would love to tell you it was exciting. It wasn't exciting. It was a, a duplex in, in Omaha, Nebraska. It was only, I believe, if I have to go back, I could find the closing statement. We call it the HUD statement here in the U.S., but I think it was like $70,000. So it wasn't even expensive. This is two, The end of 2002 was my first property. And the cool part, not the cool part, that's a terrible way to say it, a year and a half after owning that property, well, where I live is Tornado Alley in the United States. A year and a half after I bought that property, a, a, a windstorm, small tornado, if you will, came through and one of the trees fell through the roof of the house. And it was just, it was you talk about just everything being happening for a reason. It was in the bedroom of where the couple of the little kids stayed and the, the the windstorm came through at like eight o'clock at night. If it had been a half hour, hour later, those kids would have been in the bedroom and probably not made it out. So even my first property, there's crazy stories to it. So we started off with mostly multifamily kind of stuff. That's what we did. So we did a lot of different multifamily all the way from duplexes up to 10 plexes. And then we've done a lot of things with, with wholesale properties. That was another strategy. But my favorite strategy has always been lease option. And, um, and I know Alfonso kind of likes that strategy just a little bit there. And so the reason we really, I think, you know, migrated to lease option was the ability to help people. Uh, I never had a tenant in any of my duplexes, four eightplexes send me a note and say thank you for renting the property to me. But when you have somebody that follows through on a lease option and does everything they're supposed to do and they send you, you know, gifts at Christmas, they send you gifts during the rest of the year and they're so excited to just have somebody help them out. That to me has always been my favorite strategy. Um, We've done commercial properties, uh, most recently Airbnb stuff. Um, That's probably our newest type of strategy. Um, One of the things that I find interesting, I haven't done it yet, uh, but I think there, in the U.S., we're really seeing a lot of social housing programs uh, for people that uh, have come, you know, that maybe that were addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever, and then getting back into society in, in, in a different way. Uh, vets in the United States, veterans, war war veterans, homeless vets, things like that. There's a lot of opportunities. I personally haven't done it but I have taught a lot of people who are doing that strategy and they find it to be almost as fulfilling as the lease option, if not more fulfilling. So different, uh, all kinds of different strategies that I've done throughout the years. Um, Trying to think if there's any, obviously taking people out of foreclosure, people that were losing their property and pulled them into a situation where they didn't, uh, they lost their house. They didn't get to keep the house, but they saved some of their credit. More importantly, they saved their dignity, I think is really what it was. Uh, so done a number of foreclosure properties. Um, I have brothers that I've gotten and re- they've been in real estate with me for a long time and they they still focus a lot on wholesaling. Uh, the reason wholesaling, the, 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 I think people like it is it makes money no matter whether the market's going up, down or sideways. Uh, you do have to do it over and over again. Don't get me wrong, but uh, there's just a lot of different variations to it. And and, and the fact that, that uh, people even want to listen to what I have to say it has been overwhelmingly just amazing to me. Uh, even though, you know, it's not always about the property. It's about how you can help other people out. So yeah, the portfolio has all kinds of different stuff in it over the years. Bought some, sold some. I've owned properties all the way from Florida to Las Vegas, Chicago, all over the United States. Um, Some states are better than others. Chicago is kind of a rough market with everything that goes on there. And then each state has, just like in in, in Canada, each state has different taxes. Uh, So taxes in Illinois much worse than taxes in Florida. So you want to go where places, you know, have the, the best tax advantages always. And, and I think both uh, Nevada, Texas, Florida have huge tax advantages. We could get off on a whole different tangent, but what other questions I could answer for you guys, I'd be happy to answer anything.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the cool part is, and that's what I remember that weekend we, we, we touched on just a little bit of all those strategies. And when you came to the, the rent to own, the lease option strategy, that was like the most confusing to me at that, because, you know, you were collecting money, giving it back, renting it, selling it back. And there were so many different parts. And uh, that's probably why, and you're being kind by saying 20 times that weekend is more like 50 times. And then like a thousand times after that weekend that we, you know, we stayed in touch and contacted. And I think the, the biggest, the biggest thing that I can say is that you really simplify and explain it Really simply to people, so that they can get it and understand what, how it can fit into their life. And you know, you've had the good fortune, Sarah and I now have. You know, we, it's been almost four years with the Right Club, and we see a lot of people, different parts of their journey, where they've built up the portfolio, and now they're you know unwinding or trying to do something, or they're right at the very beginning and they're saying, yeah, "I know, I, I picked up the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, and now I want to get started." So you are seeing people either. You know, at the beginning of their strategy, or, you know, that person that's sitting in that room, and it's got, you know, four doors, and they think they're the expert, right? What What's the tip, or what's the most common piece of advice that, you know, someone's at a little bit closer to the start of their journey, and they want to get involved in real estate, and they said, hey, yeah, real estate investing is great. I've, you know, listened to the podcast, or I've been out to the right club. You know, what's that advice or that common thread that you've seen, you know, across the world, really,
0: now, with people that want to invest in real estate? What advice can you give to them? Well, the one thing I can tell you is that, I don't care where you're at in the world. I think we all have the same challenges and it doesn't matter if you're in Hong Kong or Malaysia or Australia, Europe or US, UK, Canada, is that most of the people in your life are going to tell you you're nuts to a certain extent. And I think that is the biggest barrier to overcome. And I had to overcome myself before I could overcome even the people tell me I was nuts. My dad inherited a couple of properties from my grandfather. My grandfather lived in a, in a little threeplex and he had a duplex across the street. And he owned both of these properties. And I and I, I remember when my dad inherited these from my grandfather. My dad was in his late 60s, maybe close to 70. He was already 70 years old. He had no desire to manage properties. I'm college age at the time, so guess who gets the de the, the facto job of being the property manager is, you know, well, you eat here, don't, kind of mentality is what my dad gave me. If you want to eat here, you, you might want to help me, you know, paint and shampoo carpet and collect rent and all the stuff that a property manager has to do. And I'll never forget, I begged my dad for, I think, probably six or seven years to, to sell those properties because I did not, not like managing those properties. And it wasn't, and he finally sold them, I think in 96, something like that. So he had them for probably about seven years and I wasn't managing the entire time, but I do know that anytime I had to do something and manage them, I hated it. And so when I finally convinced, or we finally convinced him to sell those properties, my brother and I are sitting in the class in 2002. And I looked over at my brother and go, we're going to be getting more rental properties, aren't we? And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going back to the, putting our head back in the fire kind of thing. And then I'm listening to the guy and he's talking about lease option and wholesale. I'm going, oh, you can do this business, make money and not have to be the, quote, landlord that a traditional duplex owner would be. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't start with duplexes, fourplexes and eightplexes, which is what we did, because I think you have to kind of, you know, uh, get the process started. And uh, the nice part about it is you learn a lot as you go along the path. But I think that's still the biggest issue is overcoming yourself and your own self-talk but I think the negative people in your life, because everybody's gonna say, Well, I know somebody who owned property and they had all these problems. I know somebody had this, and and all they did were they were fixing toilets and talking to tenants all the time. Well, if you can learn a strategy like lease option and rent to own, as you as you like to call them, Alfonso, you know, you start to see that there's different ways to make money in property or wholesale where it's just a an earned income strategy that doesn't take into account of of maybe we've done a number of rehabs over the years too. Am I a fan of them? No, but that's just you know one part of the process. If I can make money wholesaling it rather than doing the whole rehab, I might take a quick three to $5,000 profit and not have to worry about waiting out the process of you know a three to six month renovation and trying to sell it for more than you have in it and all that good stuff and market forces that are pulling against you. So I think this, your own self-talk is the biggest issue and then probably the negative self-talk that you have from other people and, you know, and getting a group like you guys have together at the right club allows you to have positive self-talk and that, that's huge. Having being surrounded by other people, no matter how, how successful or unsuccessful they have been, but at least making sure that you have enough successful people and positive people that are going to pull the rest of everybody up.
2: And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
1: Hey, right club nation. We want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of The Right Club and many members of The Right Club Nation, Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away.
2: Thank you so much for this opportunity. We, as Elevation Realty, are the sponsor for the real estate slot at The Right Club, and we have been attending since the second Right Club. We are an investment-focused, high-volume real estate team serving the Golden Horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders. We deal with off-market opportunities as well as we are very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on-market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the right club, find flips, single-family rentals, duplex conversions, three- and four-unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow. Guys, and I have to
3: say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work.
1: Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned a lot of different strategies and you know, there's people that have their strategies and they go with it. And there's, there's people that are starting to get into the game and they're like, oh, should I do this instead? Should I do that instead? What are some things that, that you would suggest that they think of before they pick that strategy or, or what are some you know, criteria that they should consider before saying, I'm going to go into the burr strategy or the flip strategy or wholesale? or, you know, Are there some insights that you can share on not, you know, how not to have that shiny penny syndrome?
0: Well, I think, and it's tough to not have the shiny penny syndrome because as soon as you learn something, you're like, I want to go there, I want to go there. But I started investing in 2002, which I went through the recession of 2008 timeframe. And anybody that hasn't been through a major recession in property, I think is jaded a little bit on strategies. I think they're jaded a little bit on what their return on investment process can be. I mean, if you started investing in 2012 in, in, let's say, in the GTA... And you're doing renovations on property you haven't seen a bad year you literally have not seen a down year in fact i'm gonna guess you probably haven't really seen a down year since 2008 or 9 in some of these markets so i think what i would always tell somebody is focus on strategies that are not dependent on property appreciation because in the u.s we have pockets that are highly, highly appreciating. But the majority of the U.S. doesn't appreciate. You can still come to lots of areas of the U.S. and buy a nice three-bedroom, 2 house for $150,000. Uh, be hard to find a property anywhere in the GTA at 150 dollars You probably can't even get a garage for $150,000 in 2020 in the GTA right now. All I'm saying is I think you're looking at being careful with trying to get proper or strategies, Sarah, that are worried about appreciation. Because if, you, if that's the, the major way you're going to make money, you're going to find times in your investment history or, or timeframes in your, in your, in your property uh, situations that you're not going to have the uptick, uptick, pardon me, the upticks in value, which means, yeah, you can force appreciation on, on, on renovations. You can use appreciation on lease options. You don't even need to worry about appreciation on, on things like um, wholesaling at all. You don't even need to worry about appreciation on income properties, whether they're single family, multifamily, or even um, commercial properties. So I think cash flow is still king. And that's where I learned it from Kiyosaki years ago. And lease option has a combination of both of those things, the cash flow and the appreciation. So that's why I've always been kind of you know, pushed to that strategy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Lo- love the cash flow on the, on the rent to owns. Yeah, we, uh, we use a conservative. That, that's always the big knock that I always hear is, you know, we're leaving money on the table, right, with with rent to own and selling it back. But that that piece of, you know, helping people get into their property and own their house, that's, that's the cool part is, you know, I've experienced that now. I, I kind of say because of you is that, you know, being able to help so many other people and, and you've been able to train so many people across the world and you know different strategies but really understanding uh, you know what what the factors are of, of each of those um uh, of strategies uh, to to get into so um i know you're doing a lot more training now and you're getting um you know I, it's been a while because you were you know across the world training and educating people right so um i know we've sat in some classes as well too and you're um you're, you're rolling out some education and you know it's all um, your wealth of experience that, that you're sharing with the world. So uh, I think you one time said that, you know, it's sales is not a bad word, right? Everybody thinks, you know, sale, Sarah has a, an extensive sales background and she was pretty much a Canadian regional manager for, for the company that she was at before she retired uh, her, her sales job. And, and I think that's what people, when they think sales, they think of that used car salesman. But I love your, your mentality of that sales is service. So can, can you go into that a little bit and share that with the, some of the listeners as well, too?
0: Well, and, and, and you know, I, I inadvertently, we're all in sales. If, you're, if you have a spouse, a significant other, if you're a parent, you're selling every day. And any, if you're a pastor to church, if you're a teacher, any of those things, you're selling every day. And even if you're an employee, you have to sell your boss on what it is that you are doing or want to do or, or, or if you want to raise, those kinds of things. So it always amazes me that people don't think they're in sales. And and, and I cannot stress enough that if you just, and and you've already said it, uh, but it it can't be said enough. People look at sales as this dirty five-letter word. It's like, oh, it's dirty. I don't want to be sales. But if you just change this five-letter word from sales to serve, now I don't think anybody has a problem serving. Serving has this this great connotation that every, every, I mean, you're, you're noble, you're, you're you know you can serve in your, in your community. You can serve in your faith. You can serve in your family. You can serve your community or your country. You know? So I think if we could just change that one word and realize that if, if I am selling you something and I'm serving you by doing it, meaning I'm showing you. So I sold you training years ago. But I actually gave you, I I gave you the ability to serve your clients by doing that. And if I hadn't sold you, you wouldn't be where you're at today. If I hadn't, if somebody hadn't sold me on getting or sold me on getting a new microphone, I wouldn't have this nice, whatever, Bluetooth microphone that I have. And and so, you know, we're always buying, we're always selling. And it's okay to be in that realm because as long as you're helping people, Zig Ziglar said it best, and I can use his quotes till the the day is done. You know, you're helping up other people get what they want, you're going to get everything that you want. But I think one of my biggest things that, that Zickler says, it, 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 that's my favorite quote, but one of my other quotes that I really like from his, he says, we're all in the transportation business. If you're in sales, if you're in real estate, you're in the transportation business. You're helping people get from where they're at to where they want to be. That's transportation. I don't care what it is. If you're in religion, you're in the transportation business. If you're in teaching, you're in the transportation business. So we're all helping to transport people from where they're at to where they wanna be. So Sarah's talking about new investors. We're helping them try to get to be a little bit more experienced investor. Well, if you're a human being and you have a desire, a a need, you're gonna wanna get from where you're at to where you wanna be on the next step, and then the next step. And however many lease options you do, and this is why I don't like to even talk about numbers and portfolios and things like that, because sometimes people see what you've done and it's almost like it's a deterrent. They're like, I could never do what Alfonso's doing, or I could never do what that person's doing. For the average person, and this is where I've always broken it down on the teaching side of it, for the average person, if I could show you or anybody could show you how to do one or two properties a year for the next five to 10 years of your life, your life is going to change exponentially. Your retirement is going to be that much easier. Sending your kids to college is going to be that much easier. So you don't have to have 500 properties. You don't have to do 150 lease options. What you have to do is you have to get one, learn how to do that, then learn how to use other people's money to do the second one, the third one, the fourth one. By the time you get about five or 10 properties, you're going to go, you know what? This is a business that I can do. It, it, the first few are tough. They're, 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 they're confusing. There's a lot of stress. But once you do four or five, you're like, you know, I'm thinking I'm getting the hang of this. And, and, and then, then when you want to go to a different strategy, you're going to have to learn that as well. But I, I, love, I love the education part of it. And you were talking about education and stuff. And, and I think Alfonso, for me, I, I, I love the education side of it. I love taking that piece of clay and starting to mold it into something better, different, you know, more unique. And, and we've been doing some sales trainings because I, I, I literally think that's the one area that I dislike the way it's being done the most out there. I mean, obviously we all have opinions uh, I mean, I know I could watch you do your lease option modules and watch you do your lease option trainings, and I'd be like, ah, oh, he's doing a great job. No need to, to, you know, maybe I could go to a different market, but no, no need to, to duplicate what Alfonso's doing because he's doing awesome. But I see a lot of the salespeople, and I'm not going to name names and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, if you're, not, if you're not selling somebody else, they're selling you. So if they say no, that mentality is, well, they've sold you on a no instead of you selling them on a Yes. I don't believe that i truly believe people have a desire and need and a want for something but it may not be the right time for them it may be a situation yeah you can make excuses maybe there's a you know the pandemics going on maybe you can make these excuse i'm between jobs okay if that's really your situation alfonso i'm not going to twist your arm and say you need something right now but if i can show you that maybe this product can help you get from where you're at right now in a, in a situation that's going on with the pandemic Because I truly believe in when when we have down markets, that's when we need to become better salespeople. So I think in a down market, that's the time to really hone your sales skills because everybody's fighting for the same piece of pie. And if you can sell better than that person beside you and show more value in your piece of pie, they're going to buy your piece of pie over somebody else's.
3: Yeah, 100%. That's really well said. And as you're saying this, you know what I'm thinking? The, The hard sales, the ones that you're like, oh, you know, like... So every time I go on vacation, well, not every time, but the first couple of times I went to this resort, it's those timeshares, right? They suck you in with like this like fancy lunch and then they spend like four hours trying to upsell you and upsell you. And you can't leave because you want whatever, like the freebies <laughs> that they offer. So you're like, hey, okay, I'll, I'll like sit into this timeshare. Never again will I do it. I, I tell you those people do not take no for an answer. And I think it's a horrible investment. That's just my own personal opinion. But you know, everyone's got their, their sales strategies. And, and I like that you said it, it's, it's serving, right? It's not selling, it's serving. And I think if you truly have their best interest and you can actually help them, um, you know, sales is not a bad word. But, you know, I I think, you know, we can, we can keep talking and and having conversations. We'll have to have you come back, but we are going to be wrapping up. So the next part of this podcast is our lightning round. So Alfonso and I will take turns asking you a series of four questions. You're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind within like 10 seconds, give or take. How many
0: questions do we have on this lightning round?
3: There's four questions and first answer that comes to mind.
0: Okay. I'll do my best. Now, now I'm a little bit nervous. I didn't know this was going to be part of the podcast, Sarah, but that's okay. All
3: right. Great.
0: These
3: These should be pretty easy. All right. And check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. Number one, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event?
0: Don't listen to negative people. That's
3: good. There there you go. Easy. I Love that.
1: And I, and I learned what networking was from Pip. And I remember on the breaks on, on that weekend, it'd be so focused is go meet somebody new, get off your butt, get away from the table and go and meet somebody. So um, yeah, we're doing a lot of more virtual networking uh, these days, but, uh, but yeah, definitely networking. So don't, don't listen to negative. All right, second question of the lightning round. What is your favorite resource for real estate investing? And that could be anything, a book, a training, a person, uh, an event, your favorite resource.
0: Oh, I've got got to say rich dad, poor dad, because that's what got me into real estate. So if I said anything else, I'd probably get struck by lightning. There's a lot of great resources, but it's got to be all the purple books that are out there. I got trained by Kiyosaki in 2007. Uh, I mean, so that was pretty cool. So definitely one of my mentors, definitely changed my life.
3: Very cool. I just gave my 12-year-old niece that book. So she's reading through it and, and some of her homework is actually to like tell me exactly what each chapter s- spoke about. So that's pretty cool. And she listens to this podcast.
0: <laughs> Beautiful.
3: All right, number three. What is the one attribute, in your opinion, that has made you most successful?
0: Uh, I don't know if it's a real word, stick to uh, determination, just keep it after it. I know there's better words for it, but I'm not the wordsmith here, but uh I think just continuing to keep moving forward every day, even if it's only a half a step, as long as you're moving forward, I think that's, that's the key. You, you can't ever stop.
1: Yeah, yeah great cool. words. All right, last question of the lightning round. What are you doing on a
0: typical Sunday morning? Well, virtual church used to be church. Before that, I was, um, you know, a couple times a month, I was training um, across the United States and the world. The last three years I've been in the US mostly. Uh, so, and that was by choice, uh, just because kids are getting older and different things. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I know I'm messed with spiritual probably on all these different things, but uh, definitely virtual church uh, lately, uh, spending time with my kids and my wife because they're the biggest why out there. And man, they, they grow up so quick.
3: How old are your kids now?
0: They're 18 and 15. Wow. Yeah. Two girls. So I'm surrounded by women in my house. I have no choice.
3: Nice. Just whatever they say. Where can the Right Club Nation reach out if they wanted to know about your courses or just have a, you know, a connection just with you?
0: The easiest way, and I have different companies out there, but the easiest way, just go to pipstelic at gmail.com. And if you need me to spell it, it's P-I-P-S-T-E-H-L-I-K at gmail.com. Or just friend me on Facebook. I'm on there as well. So Pipstelic on Facebook. I'm on I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter and all these other social media things. I don't do much on on Twitter. I've got an Instagram, this Pipstelic. Everything's just Pipstelic. So just keep it really easy. Um, go to YouTube. I've got all kinds of videos on YouTube about sales. So yeah, I'd love to have you guys share any videos. You see, I got tons of videos on Facebook as well.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Pip, it's been great chatting with you and, and introducing to you the right club nation. And definitely this won't be the last chat or, or podcast, but, uh, um, I, I just want to take a second and, and really thank you for everything that you've done in my life. Um, the right club and what I do on stage, I really try to emulate you and live up to, yeah. uh, live up to who you are and just that entertainmentness and that really just that genuine care for how you go about it. And you were always there and continue to be, always there for me in my journey. And, uh, and now I hope more of the right club nation will reach out to you and get in touch with you. But uh, before we end off, any last words of advice or anything that you want to share with the right club?
0: No, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Um, It's always great to see former students because if I had just a little effect on your life and now you're affecting more people, that means that's the ripple effect going on. And so to me, you you, you, obviously you can't touch the whole world but if you can touch a few people along the way and they touch a few more people and they influence a few more people then that ripple effect is there and so um yeah i would think just all i can say is thank you and alfonso for you to say that you're using some of the stuff that i that that i taught you just remember if you're stealing from me you're stealing twice because i stole it from somebody else
3: (laughs) i love it i
0: love it thank Thank you you so much. much
3: It's great
0: having you
1: on. I always love talking to Pip he is just so encouraging so just humble and we could have talked for Pip for hours he always makes a joke it takes him more than 30 minutes just to say hello and that time just zoomed by he's got so many amazing stories and inspirational stories about all the different people that he's been able to help in his own journey when you know he was all brand new so for those people that are out there maybe this is the first podcast that you listen to or you've listened to a series you've heard Sarah's podcast and you see her doing so amazing and she's retired and you know with Jag we've done over you know 150 rent to owns guys we all started somewhere too uh, you don't just don't wake up roll out of bed and all of a sudden have a whole full real estate portfolio you have to work at it and keep going um yeah we want to be that encouragement we want to give you the tools the knowledge and put the right people in your earbuds and in front of your eyes so that you guys can learn um and take something away from it so how about you sarah what was uh, what was your takeaway from uh, from pip
3: yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's just incredible to see how he's grown and he's been able to be on stages and helped touch so many people and, and the influence that he's been able to have, right? And so I think that goes and it, it's the trickle effect. Um, you know, you're on stage now helping the Right Club Nation with the, you know, the four founders. And, and he originally mentored you and, and taught you, which is really cool. And, and somebody that's listening to this right now will likely be stepping up as well and teaching others and helping others. And so it's kind of like that whole circle of Life, right? I <laughs> investor, Absolutely. investor life. So I, I think it's just, you know, keep, keep moving it forward and, uh, and helping others. And even if you're out there and you've got three or four houses and somebody's trying to get started, if you can help, you know, they'll, uh, I, I think that's just the, the best way to do it. Let's just help each other. It's such a small circle, it's such a small network of, of individuals that are interested in investing in real estate. You know, let's, let's support each other. So I, I, I really like that. I think it was really cool
1: yeah and and that 's really you know with with Daniel and Laura and Sarah yourself and I when you know when we got together, and the whole idea of the right club was how can we get more better information out there for people so that they can just you know if they can get an inch closer to where they need to get to to where they want to aspire to be uh through real estate investing and you know just that encouragement that, that's what we want and guys the, the the right club.com if you haven't been on there it's full of that information the forums the conversations that people are having where it's almost like a, a live classified ads i don't know if you're young enough or old enough if you know what classified ads like a Kijiji or like a facebook marketplace but really people are out there asking for for help offering help of their different experiences it's all out there and that's what it is it's about going around that circle of life and giving back and uh i know in these times when we're you know when we're recording this it's like that second time of shutdown and you know we're feeling helpless we can't do what we want we can't get together we can't be in the rooms in burlington together and hanging out and networking but you know in those times where you're feeling helpless be helpful It's actually impossible to feel helpless if you are being helpful. So reach out to a friend, a colleague, someone in the right club nation on the website and give them some inspiration, some help guidance, a contact, something where you can be helpful and uh, you'll feel a whole lot better. I I know we do after these podcasts, I'm so full of energy and, and uh, yeah, it's been great. So.
3: Absolutely. And, and that's really well said, right? When you feel helpless, be helpful. And you won't feel helpless anymore. I mean, that I think that's cool. So Right Club Nation, thanks for tuning in. Alfonso, what do we say? Come grow with us. Bye guys.
2: Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week.
1: Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.